0: Was really only one way to start this stream. It's not a laughing matter, Pat. Come on, why are you laughing? Come
1: on. I, I thought I thought the connection <laughs> cut out,
0: cut no. out or something, and <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, everyone, welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney, alongside Pat Gustafson. Look, I just couldn't stand uh, having a jovial jazz tune be the only way that we start this podcast off. The beginning of this is going to be. Very depressing. There's a lot of injuries, but one in particular that is just incredibly upsetting. Um, Also, anybody in the chat, let me know if the connection is really bad or anything like that because I'm kind of trying. I'm in a new place. I'm hoping it's not bad. If it's bad, I may just end the stream and and re record or something. But um, what we're at here is the Nick Chubb injury um i'm sitting there pat i just bought a nice new tv new apartment if you guys can't tell we're in a new spot Both have great um,
1: background spaces now both
0: great dude so much detail and you know i'm just chilling out on the couch watching browns game my fantasy matchup was already locked up heading into last night so i was just i wanted to watch my buddy nick chubb tear it up see what we've got oh don't say that brutal oh that's not what i meant brutal knee injury for nick chubb uh I, I hate to say this too, and it's probably not the case, but potential career ender, career at least in jeopardy with well, the age I, that he's at.
1: I I think it's career, you know, jeopardizing his career in the sense that, like, I think we'll see him again, but it'll probably be a shell of his former self with the age, with such a significant injury. The second time he's had a significant injury to that knee, um, yeah, it... It sucks and it was bad. It was bad, you know, because like the, the the play itself, watching in real time, you didn't think much of it. And I mean, especially with Chubb just kinda sitting there holding his knee and then they're talking about, We're not showing this. So of course, you know, me being a sadist, um, I went and uh yeah. I, and I went and looked it up and that man's that man's knee was like a backwards L. Like it was not it was not good. It was really not good and um yeah, just a, a, a really talented guy, really likable guy. And it's it's sad. The music was yeah. justified.
0: Sadly, I mean, I knew immediately. I, I mean, I didn't, I was looking down during the play that it happened. So I didn't see the play itself in real time. I look up and I see one of his teammates trying to help Chubb up. Chubb's like, mm mm-hmm. And then I see him lay down, I hear him yell, and I'm like, Nick Chubb is a tough motherfucker. If he's yelling in vain right now, we're in trouble. And then, to top it off, to make it so much worse, you hear the crowd groan. And oh, the I gasp knew, was, was I knew that it was day. because they showed the replay. I was like, that, it's so sad. And look, this is, yes, I'm a Nick Chubb fantasy owner. Obviously, this all goes so far beyond fantasy. It could not have happened to, I think, a more likable player. Like, this is... Yeah. One of the most universally liked players in the NFL just because he plays so hard, he's so fun to watch, and I don't think I've heard the man speak a word ever. I don't know if it's the silent assassin sort of shtick that makes everybody love him, but everybody does love him, and uh this sucks. It's a big blow to the Browns overall, but we do have a lot of other running back injuries. Pat, we'll go through all of these and talk about what the real life fantasy implications are and who the options could be to bring in um, just for you know, a big picture perspective here of some of the guys who can be available outside of the organizations that we're about to talk about, um, whether that be free agents or potential trade targets. We've got obviously Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette, kind of the, the leaders of the old guard, the, the old vets out there, even though I think they're both like 28, they're not actually old, <laughs> but those are the guys that are out there. Uh, Cam Akers, who at this rate, is going to be traded. Um, the surprise inactive in week two, which again, we'll dive into that in a second as well. But there has already been calls on Cam Akers for Jordan Schultz. He says several teams have engaged in trade talks, including the Bucks, Ravens, Raiders, and Browns. Um, some interesting ones in there, particularly the Raiders. I think all of this speaks to the fact that wherever Akers goes, he's probably not headed for anything more than a complimentary role or a exactly. timeshare. And to um, be
1: fair, like.
0: That might be where
1: he's at right now.
0: It's so weird because like we've seen this guy be so
1: effective. He was so effective before the Achilles and then he was really good at the end of the year last year. Like what a roller coaster like Sean McVay, you know, it comes out Kieran Williams is going to be the number one guy. Sprains his ankle week 1. It's Acres. He's not good. He's he's benched, you know. They're going to trade him. They don't trade him and then he comes back and wins. That guy was probably one of the big league winners last year. And then the hype all offseason. This is Cam Akers' offense. They didn't bring anyone in, and now he's gone. Like he's as good as yeah. he's toast in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, it was surprising. I mean, the 22 carries for 29 yards in Week One did not inspire much confidence. <laughs> but I didn't. I, I did not think that was going to be followed up by a, a healthy and active. To which he replied on Twitter, "I'm just as confused as all of you. I'm blessed though." are you all right moving on we've got pat rightfully you threw in here jonathan taylor uh seems that he's about ready to pass a physical uh he's eligible to play in week five so any of these teams could go out and try and get jonathan taylor as well i actually looked into it um it it wouldn't shock me necessarily if the browns made this move because with nick chubb um his contract next year they could I hate to say this. They could cut him for yeah. it's about four million dollars in dead money. They could save twelve million and basically just assign all of that and then some to Jonathan Taylor if they wanted to. Um, they are not tied to Chubb really at all for going forward. Um, so if they, you know view this injury as a career ender which it sadly it may be at least for the version of Nick Chubb that we all know and love maybe they go out and get JT again they are tied to Deshaun Watson who that's looking like a mistake but again they are essentially all in here for the next few years with the money they're paying the quarterback and they need to try and build a winner yeah he's bad they need to try and build a winner the best they can and uh, going to get JT as a weapon could certainly help out um, okay, so we've got Nick Chubb, first injury to break down just what the Browns could do, will do. Right now, I think it's your, it's Jerome Ford season, Pat, as you have noted here. Jerome Ford had a really nice game in Nick Chubb's, uh, stead last night.
1: I agree, and I think that's going to happen regardless of who they bring in. I mean, one, that's what Kevin Stefanski said today. He's like, hey, he's our feature back. We're going to bring someone in. Kareem Hunt visits according to, you know, all the big NFL insiders. Um, but I saw a tweet, and actually, Brandon, you, you quote tweeted it as well, saying that, like, you know, you're not to be worried about Kareem Hunt because we know how the Browns feel about him. The Browns kept Jerome Ford, and they did, got rid of Kareem Hunt. And you pointed out the money being a factor. Like, Ford was probably just cheaper. But I'll be honest, like, at this point, looking at Ford last night, obviously very small sample size, Ford is probably the better player right now. Like, he's probably the guy that you want and they're more like uh, Hunt last year was not good, and he everyone wanted him to be good and catch a ton of passes, and he was just bad. And one of those guys that just wasn't quite bad enough to drop, just clogging up your bench. I mean, it would be good to bring him in and get a little compliment because I mean Pierre Strong, like, I, you know, that's nothing. So, but again, I, I do think it's Jerome Ford season, and you know, Brandon, I go like, oh well, yeah, you know, Jerome Ford, you know, maybe he'll slip to me. He's owned. Someone yeah. drafted him yeah. in our league.
0: Yeah, so, I, I mentioned that on Twitter, too. Non-PPR leagues are a different breed when it comes to running back being owned. You will not find one with a any sort of reasonable workload anywhere on our free agent market. I mean, yes, Matt is out there, and and uh, who else? Craig, Reynolds Craig Reynolds is out there. We'll, we'll talk about these guys, too. But in terms of a guy like Jerome Ford, who is stepping into actually a real workload and seems like he's, you know, maybe a good player, uh, it, those kind of guys are few and far between on our wire. So, uh, yeah, I, I may have to trade for Jerome Ford at this point. But
1: in, in most leagues, he's out there, and he yeah. should be your priority pickup. you know, yeah, definitely. You know Whether you're, you've you got a top waiver claim or you're doing fab on it, Jerome Ford should be the priority this week, unless you play in a, a stupid league where a guy like Puka or somebody else is available, Kieran Williams, which they shouldn't be. But, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's Jerome Ford's season, I think, regardless of what they do.
0: Yeah, I, I would be out if they brought in Kareem Hunt. Look, obviously they need depth. Um, I would prefer they bring in depth that makes me a little less worried about potential competition. I think Jerome Ford is, like you said, going to be the lead dog regardless. I just bringing in a guy like Kareem Hunt you know he's he's going to command some work and I would like to see Jerome Ford who we still don't know exactly what he is as a player yet needs all the touches he can get if he's going to maintain fantasy relevance. we cannot step into a spot here where it's Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt in a 50-50 split because I think with you know Jack Conklin now in out for the year I believe it was um there is I I just don't think this Browns offense is going to be good enough to support two decent running backs
1: yeah, and I mean you, you, we'll talk about Deshaun later, but you know I see people on Twitter saying basically just you know start swinging the ball, you know go three four wide all the time, let him do what he did well in Houston, maybe it'll help. But like at, at the core, they were run they were run first offense. So is Jerome Ford just going to get inserted in that? Are they going to throw the ball more? But out of all the injuries, this probably I think has the most clear cut resolution here.
0: Yeah, definitely. So,
1: I mean, maybe we'll talk. We'll talk about New Orleans in a little bit, but that that one might be too. But yeah, Jer- Jerome Ford. If you can get him, get him. And um, he's not going to be Nick Chubb though. He's not, no. If you did like the hero RB strategy and you only took Nick Chubb, you're hurting. You're hurting right now.
0: Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, thank God for Raheem must start because if I did not get Raheem Mostert in our draft, Pat, my RB two would be you. I I I don't even. James Cook's the RB1 right now. so I don't have a healthy
1: it, RB2 on my roster right now.
0: It's, I dropped is, three running backs uh, this week.
1: I had three running backs not get a touch on my bench yesterday.
0: Two of them yeah, didn't play it, a
1: snap, so I cut got, them all. So I got
0: nobody. We, We've got one guy in our league kind of hoarding all the halfway decent running backs. He's got like six of them all projected for 10-plus because he's got Kyron Williams, Jerome Foy- and and like, these are guys that he either drafted or picked up before week one. I don't know what kind of crystal ball he has, but I need to get my hands on it. Pat, the next injury we've got here, uh, we've hinted at basically all these at this point, but Saquon Barkley twisted the ankle. is described as a pretty standard ankle sprain. Initially believed to be out a few weeks, but Brian Dayball has not ruled him out versus the 49ers yet on Thursday night. Football that seems optimistic. I'm not buying that shit, but it does bring up you know uh, the potential that Saquon could be back for next week after this. I mean, I wouldn't think it's impossible. Um, either way, this is a situation that, yeah, sure, maybe you get a week, two weeks of Matt Breida. Maybe one of those games is going to be against the 49ers, and he's just not that good. Um, exactly. If you're really Yeah, if you're, like you said, Pat, you don't have a healthy RB2 on your roster. If you don't, if you are in that boat, then yeah, go get Matt Breida. He's going to get touches. You at least know that.
1: Well, let's just put it this way I have essentially the third waiver claim because there are two pretty inactive teams on waivers in front of me. (laughs) And I'm not claiming Matt Breida this week. Yeah. So that's just how I feel about him and the situation. And we we may see some Gary Brightwell, but especially against the 49ers on
0: short week. No. If you're gonna if
1: you're not gonna start Matt Breida this week, when are you going to? So like right. so that that's basically where I stand in terms of why I'm not really interested. And um yeah.
0: He's just, he's just not a long-term play. I mean, if you play in a league where fab is the way that you do waivers, go ahead and throw five, six bucks at him if you need a starter. But, I mean, I wouldn't be devastated if I missed out on Matt Breida if I were you guys. Um, and with Saquon potentially coming back sooner rather than later, there's just not a clear-cut replacement within the Giants' backfield here. Pat, another injury. What was your RB2? Uh, David Montgomery set to miss potentially a few weeks with a thigh bruise. He's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. Well, so,
1: here's sorry. the thing. He tweeted. He said that he's gonna need a few weeks to heal. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be doing that off the to football play. field. That's true. That's I fair. would. Be, I yeah. would still be really surprised if he played this week, and um. But I I I would think that it might only be like one or two weeks. Like you know when he got hurt and it looked bad. Like to, to find out that it was only a thigh bruise was a relief. And um, I'm not terribly, terribly concerned, um, but I think the big thing here is that everyone's going to want Jameer Gibbs season, and I hate to burst your Jameer Gibbs bubble, but it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They do not trust him in these kind of short yardage, run straight through the line situations, and honestly, rightfully so. He didn't do that a lot at Alabama. That's not who he Mm. is. And Dan Campbell has showed us time and time again that he likes two running backs, and as, as boring as this sounds, like, it's probably Craig Reynolds season, um, God, at least in that role. God. Uh, and, we, again, we've seen Craig Reynolds have some decent weeks we in the have. past. <clears throat> but the way, like, I said I'm not interested in Matt Breida. Like, I would rather have Craig Reynolds than Matt Breida because we yeah. kind of know that kind of role. And, I mean, what, they elevated Bam Knight from mm-hmm. the practice squad. Like, he looked okay last year, and you know, at the end of his rookie year, but... I mean, Jameer Gibbs will get a few more carries, don't get me wrong, but if people think this is going to be what kind of gets Gibbs a majority of the carries, like what happened to DeAndre Swift last week, that that's not going to happen. It's just not.
0: No, and, and again, I think these become more <clears throat> desperation plays, and they're still worth talking about because a lot of people are in desperation territory, uh, but could I also see a world where Craig Reynolds takes, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe, I don't know, 60% of the rushing work and then Bam Knight takes, you know, 30 and then Jameer Gibbs gets 10 of, as far as the running, that's probably too low for Gibbs. But you know what I mean? A mix yeah. where it's, it's gross for all of them. You're still starting Gibbs no matter what, but could I see Bam Knight ruining Craig Reynolds? Yeah, I probably don't want any of those guys in my lineup, but injuries may dictate again except for Gibbs. Injuries may dictate that you need to start Craig Reynolds and and I understand that. I think he's clearly the guy um over Bam Knight for now, but if Montgomery misses multiple weeks maybe Bam Knight takes that role, we will have to see. Uh and then Pat Jamal Williams former lion here. So, he is set how long is Jamal Williams set to, set to miss? I actually missed that. So, he uh, I think Allen said long. he's
1: going to miss a few weeks, I think. Okay, that was it seems pretty like everybody's
0: yeah, it seems like everybody except Chubb, their timeline is just a few weeks. I don't know. So Jamal Williams said to miss a few weeks. Basically, his time as the stop gap before Kamara comes back is over. Um, and so for the next two weeks, it could be Kendry Miller time. It sounds like Kendry Miller could have played last week. According to Dennis Allen, he just kept him out because he you know, didn't practice all week. But come game day, sounds like he was pr- healthy enough to play if he needed to. And so that pretty much tells us he's going to be healthy enough to go this week. And it's probably going to be the guy. It's either him or or Tony Jones or Taysom Hill. So I, I, I really don't think it's gonna be
1: Kendra Miller just because of the fact really? that okay. you know, a rookie who hasn't played coming off an injury, I don't think they're just gonna throw him right at it. I think this is gonna be a really, really gross backfield. I'm not starting any of these. Well, I'm starting Taysom Hill if I can. If he is hmm. if Taysom Hill is a tight end in your league, which I believe he is tight end eligibility on ESPN Yahoo, I don't think he is on sleeper though. Don't 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 quote me on that. Slippers
0: ahead of the game because he
1: shouldn't be. <laughs>
0: but
1: if Taysom Hill is a tight end, especially if you're you're struggling at the tight end position, which many people probably are, start mm-hmm. Taysom Hill just just because of the possibility. What he had a he had a pretty nice day. I think he had like seventy like yards, nine on the carries
0: ground. for seventy yards or so. And yeah, like let's so, be honest, yeah. like
1: he's better than Tony Jones. Like if oh, yeah, I'd yeah. rather be giving Taysom Hill the ball, Taysom Hill's you know, uh, we have seen it somehow where it's like, how does this work? But he's just sneaky, he's a sneaky athletic, but <clears throat> hardest worker and the first guy to leave. But um White. White, yeah. <laughs> but um I'd rather have Taysom Hill, but in terms of Tony Jones and Kendra Miller, like I don't want either of them. Because one, Tony Jones is just not good. <laughs> like the guy mm-hmm. we've we've seen him before. I think he's I started him one week last year. I think when like <laughs> it, it, Kamara and Mark Ingram were hurt and he stunk. He he was yeah. like I think he had I think he had less than ten yards like the dude was terrible but I think what this does is for those of you that took the took the flyer on Alvin Kamara in the middle rounds I think you're gonna be really really happy about that because he's gonna come into a backfield where Jamal Williams was gonna be his biggest problem in terms mm-hmm. of scoring touchdowns because we know Kamara is gonna catch the ball Derek Carr loves throwing to running backs so losing that kind of goal line compliment to him. Because that was really Kamara's problem last year is besides that game where he had like four touchdowns, he didn't score at all, basically. so. But if you put him back into this offense, it's clear they're slow as shit. They're going to run the ball. I I, I think that blast off, you know, if you can, I guess, buy low. Would it it even be buying low? The guy hasn't played yet. I guess you're just kind of buying at face value. But if you can get your hands on Alvin Kamara, I, I would do it.
0: Only one week to go. Yeah, I think it'll be t- – I mean if the Alvin Kamara owner in your league is owned to, then yeah, maybe they'll be open to it. I think I've found over my time playing fantasy football that trying to get a guy off of somebody's team when they draft them knowing that they'd be missing time is difficult because yeah. they're like, I've invested this time. I went in knowing I'm going to invest this time, and right before he comes back, you want to take him from me? Fuck you. Yeah, um, nah. and but- Which is fair. Yeah, it is totally fair. Um, if you can do it, yeah, go ahead and do it. Pat, honestly, I'm I'm interested in Kendra Miller. Um, I don't know what his workload looks like this week, but this is a guy that we heard a decent amount of hype on, you know, throughout the preseason and, and after the draft and all that. And it, he's going to step into some opportunity here. It feels not exactly like, but a little bit like um, the Nakua situation, where it's like yeah. there's kind of just a name you heard a little bit, and you heard it in a positive light, and now you are curious to see what he can do when he's actually on the field. I think if he performs well enough, it could be a situation where he gets touches, and even when Kamara comes back. Look, it's an absolute dart throw, but in this running back economy, if you can get a player who, again... Could actually be good. He's not a known commodity for being bad, like a Tony Jones. Throw that dart, like it is. It is not going to hurt you. Um, and Kendra Miller, like this, could be one of the few weeks where he's actually in line for you know double digit touches. So I think it's worth the dart throw at the very least. So that concludes our breakdown of the broken running backs, if you will: Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery, Jamal Williams. Um, Tough guys to replace, some tougher and we're than others. Still without Austin
1: Eckler, possibly again. Yeah, so like, <clears throat>
0: Austin Eckler quote, quote without a timetable, according to Brandon Staley, whatever that means. Don't like that. So I, no, I know we, we don't have we him listed. Don't.
1: I know we don't have this on our agenda here, but is like Josh Kelly, like the new the new like Alexander Madison, where it's like when he gets a chance, everyone's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and the guy just disappoints. Like, uh, he, yeah. he just was very disappointing last week i I think almost like he's better in the complimentary role like you don't want to give him everything you don't want him to be your feature back but uh, tough i used a number one waiver claim on joshua kelly last week instead of puka nakua i have Mm -hmm. severe regrets it is a dynasty league too to be fair but um but yeah i i have regrets i have regrets
0: I will say to to Josh Kelly's credit, um, the Titans' run defense is really good. So that's possibly was not the best in the league. Necessarily, necessarily a major surprise that they stymied Josh Kelly. Um, if Austin Eckler is out again. I mean, they've got the Vikings this week, so Josh oh, you're Kelly going is, back. You're back in, you, of course. Yeah, but. you're you're absolutely going back. Um, I, I truthfully, Pat, like Josh Kelly's a guy that even if I had him last week, he I wasn't going to start him against that defense. I think you kind of just throw last week out the window. Um, he's just he's yeah. not going to be able to. He's not he's not good enough to overcome like horrific defensive matchups most of the time. But if you yeah. can get at least a, a neutral sort of matchup, then he's definitely worth starting. Uh, potentially even when Eckler comes back, because we've seen him be good in that complementary yeah. role. All right. Some other backfield notes here. So, Pat, I just want to run through real quick the top 10 running backs <laughs> in PPR leagues. Now, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be, but there are definitely some guys here where it's like, you know, the meme of the Army guys, and then one of them's a clown, and he's just like trying to blend in and just doesn't. That's um, obvious there's obvious Williams, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a few clowns here. So, Christian McCaffrey, number one, not a clown. Then, this is in order, one to ten in PPR leagues, Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson, Tony Pollard, Bijan Robinson, Raheem start Mostert, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, James Cook, and Ramondre Stevenson. So quite a list. Um, I don't think anybody expected to see Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson, or Raheem Mostert in here to see, start I, the season out.
1: I wasn't expecting it, but I've got a lot of Brian Robinson, and I've been starting him.
0: And I've, I've got a lot it. of Raheem Mostert, so I can't really complain. Yeah, I've got...
1: I think I've got Brian Robinson to three out of five leagues. Like he dominated the touches too. Antonio Gibson, i think, I think we're just realizing Antonio Gibson's just kind of bad. Brian Robinson. Yeah, I think people kind of undersold his pass catching ability, and he doesn't need a pass catching compliment. Like he can do it himself. And again, the guy's not like an elite runner of any kind, but yeah, he's he's been really nice, and I don't see it stopping. Quite frankly, maybe not at this rate, but I think he's going to be. Basically, a set it and forget it guy. Again, especially in this running back economy, he is a set it and forget it guy.
0: No, I've been shocked at the workload for Brian Robinson. We'll just start with him, but he, like in the preseason, we saw you know a good amount of, of mixed work between him and Antonio Gibson, pretty even split. There wasn't even really roles assigned. It was like each of them were getting a decent amount of receiving work, decent amount of the rushing work, and then now the season starts. Pat works through two games. Brian Robinson has outcarried Antonio Gibson. 37 to 5 through two games, and he's out-targeted him 5 to 4. I mean, that's so neither of them are getting a lot of targets, but the fact that he is winning the target game as well is just kind of wild. I... I don't know what to make of this. All I will note with Brian Robinson is this has been a very hot start, but he does have a tough two game stretch coming up here versus Buffalo and versus Philadelphia. Um, Buffalo did get gashed by Brees Hall, but I mean, he's a top three talent at the position, so you can't really expect a guy like Brian Robinson to do the same. Um, and then the. Uh, excuse me, Buffalo stifled Josh Jacobs this week. So Josh Jacobs also looks like, yeah, I don't know what
1: what the word is for what happened, but it's, it's, they did something to him because they fucking sucked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't very good. And then Philly hasn't allowed a 30-yard rusher through two games. 30. Hasn't even allowed a 30-yard rusher. They played the Patriots, both Ramondre and Zeke, 30 yards, and they played Alexander Madison, 28 yards. So tough matchups coming up for Brian Robinson. We're going to find out really quick how real he is. I think... He's probably not quite this good, but I mean, if he's going to keep getting this type of workload, it doesn't matter. It's it's an absolute steal based on where you got him in your fantasy drafts. Uh, Pat, rewinding here to Cam Akers a little bit. So a healthy scratch here, Kyron Williams is clearly the <laughs> RB1 on this team. Um, if you drafted him or scooped him up off waivers, I think this is going to be a guy that is... The guy that's kind of the face of this fantasy season. I'm not really afraid to say that at this point because watching the Rams, Matthew Stafford looks incredible. He, and I feel like. I feel like we should have factored in more the possibility that this would be the case, that a fully healthy Matthew Stafford is just ripping the ball, making that offense move. And if you look at Kyron Williams' numbers, I mean, first of all, he's being targeted an insane amount for running backs. But also, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns, which is kind of buoying his fantasy point totals. And that's probably going to keep happening if Stafford keeps helping them move the ball the way they have been. So I think this is a guy that's going to have value all year long. um, If you can somehow still... I don't know. Buy Kyron Williams from an owner that doesn't think this is legit, or if you can pick him up, um, do that because this guy's going to be East.
1: Yeah, you know. And my first thought was when I saw Acres' healthy scratch. I'm like, this backfield is going to be Zach Evans is down the line. Like this is what happens, and he's still a healthy scratch as well. Well, they had like Ronnie Rivers and God, I don't even know. I don't even know who their other running or their other. App- oh, Royce Freeman. It was Royce Freeman. Oh God, it's so, like right. they'd rather have Royce. Ronnie Rivers and Royce Freeman active than Zach Evans. So like. I was almost like that's going to be my sneaky pickup that's going to help me down the line but <clears throat> I, I I don't know but in in Williams again he's not like uh, there was a lot of discourse today on Twitter about like how uh, like Field Yates called him said he's been incredible and everyone's like oh well, he's not incredible he doesn't you know he doesn't do anything incredibly and it's like he scores fantasy points incredibly this year. Exactly. It's called it's called fantasy football folks like <clears throat> You don't have to be good, or you could be a great player and not be a good fantasy player. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it can go both ways there. So, But, yeah, he's not this this kind of, like, freak athlete, great running back, but he's getting the job done in a Sean McVay offense where, you know, we've seen him obviously lead on, lean on a guy like Todd Gurley who was way more talented. But I don't think they're going to be afraid to lean on Kieran Williams too. And, like, everything looks good in Los Angeles, man. It's we'll so talk weird. about Puka, the Puku 2-2 Puka 2 Com- combo. Rombo, combo, but, yeah. But, yeah, things are looking good there. Yeah, if you if you got Williams, like the guy in our league, snagged him week one Sunday at like
0: 11.30. What did he know? I want to know like, what he knew. And he That's didn't have all. Cam Akers either, I believe. So no, that was just, no, he does not. Just sheer
1: gut Clairvoyance. So,
0: it was. I'm impressed because I've done similar things in the past where I remember picking up James Conner like bef- before the Le'Veon holdout was a real headline, and it was just like – Hmm, kinda odd he hasn't shown up yet. I was like, yeah. James Conner. And then I picked up I remember ironically, Nick Chubb, uh I think a week before they traded Carlos Hyde and unleashed him his rookie year. So look, sometimes the uh sometimes the energy, the juju just enters your brain and lets you pick these guys up. And uh that's what happened to our league mate with Kyron Williams, and he is definitely benefiting from it. But yes, yeah, so we'll talk about the Rams again in a little bit. That team is just moving. They are a potential playoff team if they keep doing this. I mean, that defense, I still don't really know who plays on it outside of Aaron Donald, but they've got, you know, they're, they're doing enough to at least look, uh, look like a good product on the field for the most part. All right. Raheem Mostert, Pat, I talked about him before. He has been an incredible value for me and for anybody else that drafted him. I, I feel like with the state of running backs right now, you kind of just have to ride this out. Because right now, Raheem Mostert very much feels like a ticking time bomb in terms of fantasy relevant. We've seen this before. He is a 31-year-old running back with a litany of knee injuries. I drafted him, figuring I would get him for the duration of Jeff Wilson's IR stint, You know, if it was a minimum IR stint of four games. Um, But I just don't if if somehow somebody in your league is willing to buy Raheem Mostert for what he's done from a production standpoint thus far get him off your team right now because I'm not one that likes to predict injuries because I know they can be fluky but this guy like a full workload like what he's been getting is not going to end well for Raheem Mostert I hate to say that but he's been a beast so far
1: I'm more concerned about Jeff Wilson than I am any potential injury because obviously Mike McDaniel loves this guy like you know he he had a huge role he had a Decent role in San Francisco just as the goal line back going back to, like, 2019, 2020. And then, excuse me, and then obviously he trades for him. You know, you don't trade for running backs unless you really like the guy. So, they really like him, and especially at the goal line. Like, if Wilson kind of gobbles up that goal line work, you know, Mostert's not a great pass catcher. Neither is Wilson, for that matter. But, like, a little inside thing here. Bran and I had were, you know, talking about a possible Raheem Mostert for Puka swap. And the main reason why I didn't really want to do it was because of that. Was because of Moster, not because like no, I'm all in on Puka. This guy's a stud. That's why I honestly kind of wanted to trade Puka because I'm a little scared. We'll talk about that too. But but yeah, Moster more so just the situation than injuries. Like Miami loves multiple backs. They just don't have another guy to use. Like mm-hmm. like Savan Ahmed. A chain's been worthless Achmed so far in fantasy. So. So, I mean, enjoy Like you said, enjoy it while it lasts. You're starting Raheem Mostert until you can. not And, you know, maybe we'll be wrong. You know, we, we, we've got a little we, we were wrong section. Maybe that could be a weekly thing yeah. where we're just instantly wrong about a take. So maybe Raheem Mostert will be there. But, yeah, I'm I, I'm scared. I, I don't have any – I think I have one Mostert on one team, and it's like I'm not, you know, banking on anything beyond yeah, – I'm j-
0: I'm just kind of going with it for now. And like like I said, my team is a ticking time because he's my RB2 and I do not have another running back to potentially plug in my lineup right now. Um, but the one thing I'll say about Jeff Wilson too, Pat, is uh, based on Mike McDaniel's quote from, you know, when he got hurt. It's no guarantee that he's back week five. And Agreed. It's, it's actually no guarantee he's back this season. So you Very can ride ominous. out Raheem Mostert um, for as, as long as he is healthy and the lead back of the Dolphins, he's going to be productive. I, just, there are a lot of things ominously in the future for Raheem Mostert's outlook. There is a potential Jeff Wilson return eventually. There's the high likelihood that he gets hurt and misses at least a game or two. And then there's Devon A-Chain just slowly cooking it and eventually we think going to get some sort of workload in this backfield. And then there's Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, like, I still that's feel true. like
1: if he gets traded, Miami one of the, the prime destinations for him. So, yeah. yeah. Um, again, you, you, you enjoy it. Enjoy the fantasy points. But, yeah, I think he might be the arguably the most sell-high player. Or most dirt. He may be the most sell-high player in the whole league.
0: He's also my Fucking boy, because if I didn't have him, I do not know where I'd be. But yeah, if you can still high on him, do so. If you're in a sharp league, they probably will not buy this 31-year-old running back off of you, which will mean you have to ride it out. But that's not going to be a bad ride for however long it is. Pat, DeAndre Swift... This was Thursday night football, and man, this did not go um, how I expected it to. Me neither. The man, it's career high in rushing yards on 28 carries for DeAndre Swift. Rashad Penny, a non-factor, with Kenneth Gainwell out with a rib injury, and Boston Scott leaving that game at uh, some point midway through. Yeah. It was and the Penny DeAndre did, Swift show.
1: And Penny didn't get a touch until Scott was, Scott got con- concussed, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, like. I thought it was going to be all Penny. Like, I was looking for him on waivers and leagues because I'm like, they don't trust DeAndre Swift. They're, you know, Penny's going to be in that Gainwell role, and then if he does really well, they may ride it. Or, you know, lean on him. I only picked him up in one league. He was swiftly dropped today. Swiftly. But mm, Swift, yeah, but Swift looked amazing. Like, that was probably the best game of his career. And, and they, the thing I put in here is that they need to stick with him. Like, they like Kenneth Gainwell. You know, they've been using him. But, again, he's more of this kind of crafty player, a good pass catcher. He's he's not an every down back. You know, he's not like this kind of lead back the way DeAndre Swift can be. And we've seen it from DeAndre Swift. And, like, he was great. Granted, the game flow kind of helped him. You know, they were leading. They were eating up a lot of clock. Minnesota couldn't stop anything. So, it really benefited him. But this is a great offense who's going to have a lot of red zone opportunities, even with Jalen Hurts. And I think it's just going to be the question, does Nick Sirianni say this guy's our RB1 with some Kenneth Gainwell mm-hmm. rather than more of an even split or the opposite, which we saw in week one?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, I think Swift is is kind of the ultimate sell high right now, honestly. I, he looked really good, and if you're going to keep him, I have no qualms with that either. But this was kind of the perfect storm for making a crazy DeAndre Swift game look the they had no other running backs, apparently, because Penny stinks. But they, the Eagles obviously do like Kenneth Gainwell for whenever he's healthy. The Vikings' defense has been porous so far. And I just think that when Gainwell is back, he's still going to come in, probably double-digit touches. Um, DeAndre Swift will probably also get double-digit touches. And then you've got Austin Scott still going to mix in, and Jalen Hurts is going to poach all these one-yard rushing touchdowns. Like It's not going to be every game that the Eagles are putting up that high amount of points um and I think DeAndre Swift may be a guy unlike Raheem Mostert where there's still a lot of name value left with DeAndre Swift. I think that's still a name people look at and they're like, "Ooh." And then if they see the point total attached to it, they're going to be like, "Oh." Ooh, so, yeah, absolutely. As, as much as DeAndre Swift is going to be, I think at least a usable flex on a week-to-week basis, if you can sell him at RB2 type of value, I would probably do so because I think things are going to come back a little down to earth for DeAndre Swift. We're not going to get back to his one-touch week one, but we're not going to get back to 28 carries anytime soon either. Yeah. And again, we
1: may not see the Eagles in that kind of situation where they can give a running back 28 carries like that. You know, we right. you don't know. But yeah, again, it, it's one of these cases where like it's what should be done, but it probably won't. I, I still think that Swift is going to be the more prominent guy going forward, but I think there's going to be agree. enough Kenneth Gainwell to where you are not confidently starting Swift on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. I think Swift is probably the better player, but they just like Gainwell a pretty good amount too. So it's going to be both guys are going to be involved and Jalen hurts is going to vulture touchdown. So, Good luck. We're kind of back to square one. Honestly, DeAndre Swift getting twelve to thirteen ish touches is like what we expected coming into the year. Week one was the surprise, and then week two was the overcorrection. It was necessary based on injury, but we're kind of back to square one here. Yeah. Um, Pat James Cook, he is another. He's he's my RB one now. So great, just kill me. But no, he looked really. Would good. you like Isaiah he's- Pacheco? No. <laughs> James Cook has looked really good. My concern with him is that he just isn't going to score a touchdown all season long unless he breaks one for 50 yards. Um, he may not need to, though. He had about 150 all-purpose yards last, this past week, and he's a dynamic player on a really dynamic offense, so I'm really not that concerned.
1: He is such a talented player, but the ceiling is just capped based on... Damian Harris and Latavius
0: Murray, like Latavius Murray, more so. Like the ancient Latavius Murray is the bigger pain in the ass here than than,
1: than Damian Harris. But yeah, I, you know, and, and the other thing, obviously, Josh Allen's, you know, very, you know, very imposing at the goal line. So yeah, I, I actually traded, I actually traded James Cook in in a league this week just because I um, well, I had a, a lot of running backs, and I just um. Yeah, you know, I just wasn't sure that he was really going to reach his true potential. But, I mean, he's your RB1. That's not ideal. But, like, especially in, in like, our kind of league, you got to start a guy like James Cook. Like, I wish I had James Cook.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, we're in, like we said, non-PPR. I mentioned the top 10 PPR running backs earlier, and James Cook was RB9. I'm actually going to look up really quick where he's at in non-PPR. Not that this is relevant to more than maybe three people that will ever watch this because, duh. Uh, huh. RB17 in non-PPR, so that's the yeah. disparity there. He's Man, a that that's crazy. A lot of balls. Yeah, it's, it's a big difference. It's Non-PPR a big difference. Sucks. Yeah. Uh, Non-PPR, though, Raheem Moster is the RB4. So he's he's my real RB1, I guess. But yeah, James Cook, he's such a dynamic player that he's going to be good all year. It's just, again, the touchdowns. I think eventually, Pat, I really do think they're going to manufacture some touchdowns for him because I it, it, this offense is so good. They're going to be near the goal line so often that eventually, I don't know if it's four, five, six weeks in, but it's going to become a meme. Like, James Cook doesn't have any touchdowns. He's not scoring. Like, It'll They're going like to be free, like, be like right. the
1: free Aaron Jones. Is James Cook the new the new Aaron Jones? The Matthew Barry hashtag? Like, very, si- very similar deals here. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, again, like you said, really dynamic player, really good offense, and we talked about last week how they don't have a, they didn't have a wide receiver too. Everyone was their wide receiver too this week except Stephon Diggs. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, Gabe Davis catching a touchdown, Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, Kincaid, again, Kincaid's got the participation, he's got the routes run, he's got the targets, it's great. The production is not there. Hold tight on Dalton Kincaid. Do not panic. I I still truly believe that it's going to happen at some point, but, yeah, they they just fucking steamrolled the Raiders. Like, the Raiders looked horrible.
0: Horrible. The Raiders looked more like what I expect the Raiders to look like for the rest of the season, sadly. Um, Pat... Let's get to some just objectively less talented running backs. Zach Moss played every what snap. What the fuck? <laughs> played every snap for the Colts. Now, look, I know they're not dealing with a whole lot of talent here to disperse these touches to, but I also figured it would be a little bit more, I don't know, work literally anyone else in. Uh, no. But no, instead it was all Zach Moss. He put together a really nice fantasy day. And... This is just kind of, if you have Zach Moss, good for you, but I, I mean, Pat, do you take anything else away from it? Cause I'm just kind of ignoring it. Honestly. Well, again, you, you, you
1: want to ignore it because it's Zach Moss and the joke is that he's like fat and slow and can only score touchdowns, but he looked good. And like, especially if Gardner Minshew's the quarterback and it's not um, Anthony Richardson, because uh, one, Anthony Richardson looked great in whatever mm. the three drives before he got concussed. Hopefully he's okay. But if, Richardson's not there to kind of vulture some of the rushing work. I think you need to have Zach Moss. Zach Moss should be owned in most leagues just, just for the possibility that when Jonathan Taylor comes back and they trade him, they clearly believe in Zach Moss as the clear-cut RB1. Like, there was – Deion Jackson played one snap on special teams, zero snaps for Jake Funk. Like, they were all in on Zach Moss. And, again, he looked really good. for Well, at least for Zach Moss standards. Like, he looked really good. And, again, not a guy you're going to be excited about, but especially in this – running backs are like tight ends this year. It's pretty desolate. Like, if you have Zach Moss, I mean, you've got to start him this week and and then until when Jonathan Taylor comes back. But And then if Taylor comes back and is the starter, you've got a a handcuff that – is clearly going to get literally all of the workload. All of it. Yeah. Uh, if Taylor yeah. gets hurt. Again, a not, a not a very sexy pick at all, but um, it's, gr- it's just gross. It's just, I... it's just gross saying it, but if, he, uh,
0: if he's still I'm out saying. there
1: in your league and you need a running back, pick the guy up.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely – I mean, look, again, any running back you can find that's – earmarked for more than five touches, it seems like it's very hard to come by at this point. So yes, go get Zach Moss. I just find it so hard to recommend him and and like truly believe in him in any capacity for the rest of the season because he's on a team that is probably pretty often going to have to abandon the run entirely. I don't think he's very good. Anthony Richardson is, you know, yes, he's in concussion protocol right now, but if he misses time, it probably isn't more than a couple of weeks at max. And then he's going to come back and take all the rushing work too. Um, You make a good point about, obviously they like him way better than all the other running backs on their roster right now. If they gave none of them any touches because they Um, granted a lot. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with Evan Hall going on IR as well, but you know, Zach Moss, I guess, is, is the guy here. So um, I, I just feel like, yeah, go get him if you really desperately need a running back. But just don't don't expect a whole lot. Yeah, don't <laughs> expect this every week. But
1: again, like, I think he could be a solid guy. That's probably getting you, you know, close to double digit points on a weekly basis.
0: he's just such feels like such a landmine like he's just gonna josh kelly you more often than not you know what i mean well it's
1: also the fact that he's had some injury issues in his career as well too like there's no guarantee that this guy stays healthy i mean he's already had a broke his arm in uh in training camp so like but again with injuries you, you can't you can't predict it but there's there's also that factor too
0: yeah now zach moss was a potential waiver wire or free agent acquisition so you know whatever we expect and get from him is fine um, how about a guy that you spent probably a fourth or fifth round pick on with Alexander Madison, who's just bad. Now, I want to get out in front of this first because this is what made the rounds after this Thursday night game was all of the hate messages this guy got on Instagram and all the racist stuff that was happening. Um, d- f- rule rule number one, no matter what negative sentiment it is that you're sending at a player, whether it's, you know, objectively racist and horrible or just, hey, man, you suck. Don't tweet it, players. Don't do d- it d- ever. Never talk. Like, n- you can tweet about players if it's you know, reasonable criticism or obviously something night, whatever, uh, but don't tag them ever. don't do that because Madison got just the worst of the internet after his performance, and i I have been one to be criticizing him quite a bit. I'm victory lapping him being bad a little bit, but like seeing what people say. People are awful, man. So these, don't do that. Just, let's just get out ahead of that, really quick. These guys are human
1: beings at the end of the yeah. day. Like they're they're athletes. They're like they're our puppets for our silly little fantasy football game. But these are people. Right. Like come on. Like you could be mad. Like I, you could be mad that he has been bad. But like leave these guys alone. The only yeah. way you should contact players is to tell them to, to, to be a guest on the Off the Bench podcast.
0: That's the, um, <laughs> exactly. that's the
1: only time you should ever contact players. If you want to, contact, if you want to tag a player and say, I love this guy, or, go for it. But leave these
0: guys alone. Exactly, and, and but to to get back on the fantasy train and actually evaluate kind of what happened here. Uh, look, the Eagles' D line is really good, so I'll give a, a little leeway for this. But Alexander Madison is just showing what I was worried about the whole time, and it's just that he's not that good of a player. Like he's he's not a dynamic player. He's not an athletic player. He's just, he's the guy with the RB1 role in Minnesota. And we saw week one, how that can translate to fantasy points here and there. It's mostly gonna be though touchdown dependent. A touchdown-dependent yeah. running back, though, is better than a guy who never has a chance to score any, I guess. No. Well, he's not better than James Cook, but he's, no, better well, than, yeah. he's better than a guy who's not on the field, you know what I mean? So um, he retains a little bit of value, I guess, for that reason, but it also firmly puts him in a position where the Vikings may go looking for a running back at some point. Granted, they're 0-2. They may have to chalk this season sooner than sooner rather than later. Yeah, they got the Chargers
1: um, this week. That's going to be a big—one uh, team's yeah. going to be really unhappy. <laughs> Yeah, going, starting 0-3 after that. But yeah, Madison, I think another problem, too, is that this Vikings defense is still not very good. So like they have to throw like crazy to keep up. But that does provide touchdown opportunities, and I think that was kind of Madison's greatest appeal coming into this, was that this is going to be a, a strong offense who's moving very quickly because they have to, and it's going to set him up for some opportunities. And like you said, I still think that's going to happen, but it's not going to happen consistently.
0: No, I I just don't think you're really going to feel good about starting Alexander Madison any week going forward. I mean, I guess if you have like the juiciest running back matchup ever, or Vikings do, I should say, um, then yeah, maybe you feel a little better about it. But this lack of efficiency, if it continues like... They're going to look elsewhere, whether it's Ty Chandler getting more touches or it's bringing somebody else in. Um, th- like they're not just going to sit there and look at eight carries for twenty-eight yards every single week. You know, it's it's not going to happen. So Alexander Madison, look if you guys drafted him with uh, a fairly early pick. I'm sorry. I think it was probably a it was probably a bad pick. He's he's at least startable, I guess, still. But you are definitely not thrilled with what you've been seeing so far. Pat, the Bears' backfield. This has been a fluid situation and one that has just quite frankly been very confusing. Um, Deonta Foreman got a surprising amount of touches in Week One. We we weren't sure what we were going to see there because Khalil Herbert had taken the reins, and or thought he had. And then this past week, Deonta Foreman, a healthy and active, joining Cam Akers on the on the the perma bench there. Um... What do we make of this backfield now other than, I guess, Roshan Johnson's a stash? Because that's really all I'm taking from it.
1: Yeah, I think he's a priority pickup, honestly, um, just because I, this is a guy that could help you win your league down the line. <clears throat> Again, it, you, you don't want to use a ton of fab on him or you don't want to use a, a high waiver claim or whatever, but yeah, he, he's going to emerge in this backfield. And it sucks because you know we were in on Khalil Herbert. I have a good amount of Khalil Herbert. And, like, you're still – he's still a viable guy. Like, he's going to be kind of in flex consideration for now. But I think this just means the fact that, like, they, they, they kept three running backs, and one of them was, like, a special teamer. I don't even remember who it was. But the fact that they are scratching Foreman, who is established as a decent running back, over Johnson means they like him. And it means he's probably next in line. And if he can, you know, get more touches and perform with those touches, I think it's going to be his backfield.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's the guy that had a lot of, you know, again, a lot of these rookies had hype coming into this uh, season from the preseason, and Roshan Johnson was one of them. So him getting a sort of a split here with Khalil Herbert is definitely notable. And to round out our kind of backfield discussion here, we've got the Ravens, RBBC, the running back by committee. Pat, you just made a trade for one of the guys in that running back committee, and you already had the other one, right? You had Justice Hill on your team, I yes. think. Um, so you now have both Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. So – this committee is interesting. We talked last week about how Justice Hill had the two touchdowns in week 1 and you know you said you could see that continuing. I said it would be more Gus. Turns out Gus scored this week and but Justice Hill got more touches. It's Justice picky, Hill but, did get the first crack at the goal line. He just didn't get it. Okay. Okay, I did not notice that. Uh, yes. So yeah, th- these are these are two guys who are both going to have some semblance of value. I don't know what it is because I do think the Ravens' offense is going to continue to move the ball and score. But you know, neither guy you're going to be super thrilled about. Yes, yeah, yeah, are you thrilled about them?
1: Exactly. Um, it's funny. One of my friends uh, says that just like you love the that I love the Ravens' running backs because it seems like every year I've got at least one. Like last year, I had both. I had Drake and Gus Edwards, and I was just going back and forth ping pong and starting them the wrong weeks, <laughs> and it was absolutely miserable. But the way I saw it, the trade I made, I also got Jonathan Taylor in it. So I'm I'm hoping that in a few weeks' time, I will never have to start either Gus Edwards or, um, or Justice Hill. But I, I think the the other thing too is that I, John Harbaugh said like, oh, we don't need another running back. We have Melvin Gordon, zero touches. Like I think the door is still open for them to go and get somebody, and like realistically, that's out of all these teams we've talked about, like that's kind of the offense that you can go and get more of, like a feature back. Like if they like yeah. wanted Jonathan Taylor, that would be a great situation because honestly, like Gus and Justice Hill are complementary players, <clears throat> and they're going to complement each other. That offense is going to flow well. It's just going to be really difficult to play the right guy. In fantasy, they're not going to blow your doors off, but it's just going to be difficult because they they both have potential at the goal line. The other thing, if you're playing PPR, Gus still has not caught a ball since like 2019, and Hill Hill is going to be that pass catching guy. So a little bit more upside on Hill, but it's it's ugly. But that's the Ravens. When when was the last time the Ravens didn't? I guess Dobbins is like rookie year or whatever. Dobbins had one year yeah. where he stayed healthy, but. Like they've, they've gone I don't through, you know, if he did <laughs> Devonte Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, Justice Hill. It's been disgusting, but they're always have a, they always have a decent offense. Like they know how to run. Like they know how to run uh, in Baltimore. But like, for example, this week, like unless I get somebody on waivers that I can start, I have to start one of them unless David mm. Montgomery magically plays. <laughs> I'm leaning Gus Edwards right now just because I think he's looked better. Like, he's not getting the touches, but I think he's looked better with his touches, and I think he's got a little more touchdown potential. And this is non-PPR, so Hills catches mean nothing to me. So, right now, if I had to set my lineup, I'm putting Gus in there, but I'm not happy about it, and that's very subject to change.
0: Uh, Pat, did you see who the Ravens brought in for a visit today? Is it someone, like, hilarious? It's Kenyon Drake again. So, we may be getting some level of dosage of Kenyan Drake. Raider legend Kenyon Drake. <laughs> Kenyon Drake just the the face of disappointment. That I man like. fell off like a fucking Yeah, he, a cliff. he was like what was it? Started in Miami, was showed flashes in Miami, then went to Arizona and just and He looked know. and he, he looked good. He, he he had that one year.
1: I remember I drafted him. Like, with, like, the 14th pick. Like, I drafted him very early, and he was solid. And then after that, it was just, he went to Las Vegas to be a backup and gone.
0: Mm -hmm. And now... Uh Yeah, Kenyon Drake that first year in Arizona. I mean, he only played eight games, 643 yards and eight touchdowns, so I guess not bad for the games he played in. But yeah, Kenyon Drake is not a name that you're uh, excited about seeing in the mix here now with Baltimore. Uh, Okay, that'll do it for our backfield breakdown, Pat. We mentioned last week how it's tough in week one to try and draw conclusions on teams because they could just be fluky games that will sort themselves out. After two weeks, look, this is still a small sample size, but it's twice as big. So we can try to draw some conclusions here. Um, and I just have a couple here before we get into um, you know, some some concerns we have from week one that carried over, but drawing some positive conclusions. Puka Nakua, and I, I guess you you may be on the other end of this, but I think he's very, very real. And also all the waiver wire winners are just on the rim. I mean, it's Puka, it's Kyron. Tutu Atwell has been very startable through two weeks. Very yep. um and Puka what Puka specifically is a very, very real player. 15 targets week one. Figured there's no way he surpasses that right? 20, 20 targets in week two. That is, I don't care if Cooper Cup comes back and they bring back prime Calvin Johnson and they bring back prime Julio. Like, you get that many targets through two yeah. weeks, you are going to remain involved. So Puka Nakua is a guy, funny name and all, um, I, I want to say go get him. I'm sure he's already been gotten in your league, but like he's the guy who's going to be a player all year long.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I was trying to trade him. Like I traded away Devonte Smith, but I wanted to trade away Puka. Excuse me, had to mute to cough. Um, and I wanted to trade away Puka just because he's not going to be getting 15 targets a game. But like you said, it's not like he's going to go from 15 to three.
0: No, like you know, it's not, not
1: going to be that. And again, we still haven't heard a lot about Cooper Cup. Like, he was going to see specialists. Like, there is no, just like with Jeff Wilson, there is no guarantee that Cooper Cup comes back, um, you know, when when his stint on IR is up. But even with him, like, we've seen the Rams have two good wide receivers. We've seen it with Robert Woods, even Brandon Cooks. I mean, Brandon Cooks is a little mm-hmm. bit more of, like, the the wild card guy. But we've seen Robert Woods be really productive in the number two role alongside Cooper Cup, <laughs> And Puka is basically like a Cooper Cup. He's just going to be a target monster. He's not going to do anything crazy athletically. But this has been insane. This has been insane. And I just said, like, that's what I said. I said, I can't look at this guy on my bench another week. Like, I just can't do it. So I had to get rid of him. Well, I kept him. I had to get rid
0: of somebody. Yeah, you had to open up that spot. I get that. And, yeah, I mean, I saw a report already. I think it was from Ian Rappaport that, uh, you know, Puka Nakua to retain big role when Cup returns. And I'm like, Duh! They need somebody to play wide receiver too, and it's going to be the guy that's gotten thirty-five targets in two weeks. So yeah, at Stafford Atwell, clearly trust him.
1: Atwell seems much more like 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 a Brandon Cooks kind of guy, like you know, going mm. deep kind of on these gadget plays. But again, he's startable too. Like you can he's, go, especially well. until Cup comes back. You're starting two two tw- two, two two Atwell pretty easily.
0: Yeah. And Matthew Stafford right now, the way he's playing is just able to turn a multitude of guys into fantasy relevant players. And honestly, fantasy stars as far as Nakua and Kyron Williams are concerned. Um, Pat, with all the talk about Puka Nakua, though, I do want to give some love to my boy Nico Collins. Very similar sort of start to the year as Puka in terms of gotten a ton of targets, has been uber productive for fantasy. The only downside is that he probably hasn't been in many lineups through the first two weeks because people saw week one and he's a Texan. And it's like, even when you see how well he did in week one, you may not trust it yet. But Nico Collins is currently the wide receiver six on the season. Went for seven catches, 146 yards and a touchdown this past week. And I'll say it, CJ Stroud looks pretty good. CJ Stroud looks like a guy that can sling it. Yeah, I mean Anthony Richardson's making plays on the ground, but C.J. Stroud looks comfortable as a passer. Very he poised. already has more three hundred yard passing games than Justin Fields does in his career. So, as far as the Ohio State quarterback <laughs> hierarchy goes, <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Stir some shit um, up there. I mean, but, um, look, I, I unironically thought about picking up C.J. Stroud to uh, you know have my own QB competition on my fantasy team with him and Justin Fields because that's how bad Fields has been. We'll talk about that, that. your new se-
1: your new uh, your new TikTok series. But, oh, God,
0: yeah. True. But, but yet, yeah, like you Dico's said, Stroud,
1: especially the fact that the Texans' offensive line is in shambles. Like, what, they've got at least Tunsil and, um, oh, God. Titus Tied, Howard? Uh, yeah. Titus Howard? Yes. yes. And I believe they have somebody else injured as well. So, like, Damian Pierce, sorry. Damian Pierce. Like, we've been, we were all over the place on Damian Pierce this offseason. Mm-hmm. He was in, like, our bus draft. And then we were kind of like, oh, maybe we're wrong, but... I don't think it's Pierce's fault. I just think more so that that line is just destroyed, and also the fact they're still pretty bad. Like they're they're, they're right. they look As a, a lot team better. Overall. They're competitive, but they are going to be losing games, and they are going to be throwing the ball. And I started Nico Collins in three leagues this, this week, and then I traded yep. for him in a fourth. So the only league I don't have him is the one that you've got him in. And because the way I see it is like when I have to start a player in one league and have him in others, I don't like them being on the bench. I'm either all yeah. in or all out. I agree. So, like, I looked at a league and I needed a flex fill, and so I put in Nico Collins, and I'm like, you know what? So I went my other leagues and I swapped them in. And then I, but, yeah, and the thing that's most impressive is he's doing this on, like, six, 70% of the snaps. Like, mm-hmm. he's really not as involved as he could be. But when he's out there, man, is he making up for it? And I think the involvement is only going to get better. I mean, Robert Woods is more so kind of just like a steady. It's, it's Robert Woods. He's a steady-as-he-goes guy, but kind of sneaky. Like, Robert Woods, especially like in PPR, certainly someone that you should have on your bench. But, yeah, all in on Nico Collins now. He's now tied for my most owned player with Brandon Ayuk. I am, I am all in.
0: Yeah, the only downside I say for Nico going forward could be the emergence of Tank Dell with Noah Brown going on IR. Tank Dell's snapshare essentially doubled and he had a really good game last week. I talked I about Tank
1: Dell. I brought yeah. his name up in our rookie draft. I didn't take him, but I brought his name up. I have Tank yeah. Dell in the league, but I've got him on like the ta- it's a dynasty, so I've got him on the taxi squad. Taxi so squad. it's like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like no, it's- but yeah, I think Tank if if, if not year this year, forward. Tank Dell is going to be a guy in this offense. Like they said, Stroud specifically said, "Hey, go and get this guy," and they did. And he, he's definitely going to build a strong rapport with them. But yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a crazy thing this year. Like he's going to have his games where he where Dell is a huge line, but. Uh, we love Nico Collins. Off the bench, loves Nico Collins.
0: We love Nico. I got to get him in. I got to find a way to get him in my damn lineup because it's either him or Jordan Addison at this point and I don't know what to do. I would start oh, Nico it. Collins. Yeah, I think I'm probably well, We've I got we got a viewer question about Jordan Addison coming
1: up, but I I would start Nico Collins honestly pretty easily. Like I would really? I'm not I'm okay. not even putting much thought into it.
0: Okay, well, we'll tease that, and we'll talk about why here in a little bit. Um, Pat, some concerns here from Week 1 that carried over to Week 2. So we talked about how a lot of bad quarterback performances kind of headlined Week 1, and a good amount of guys did bounce back. I mean, you had Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert all have far superior Week 2 performances compared to Week 1, especially uh, Josh Allen with his billion turnover performance against the Jets. But all these guys kind of bounced back. Then there are some guys that I'm still a little concerned about. And one guy that you may not think off the top of your head, but Jalen Hurts. And so I, I'm not super worried about Jalen Hurts from a fantasy perspective just yet, but he put up the numbers this week for fantasy in real life, I felt like he kind of just looked all right. He wasn't anything special, and honestly, the fantasy value was saved by the two tush-push touchdowns, and as we all know, look, that's as unstoppable of a play as there is in professional sports, but it's circumstantial. They have to get to the one or two yard line, get stopped there, and then, you know, it's, that's what's going to happen, and it's going to be Jalen getting those touchdowns, but that's not going to happen every week. If it did, you know, they used that play last year. Jalen Hurts would have had 25 rushing touchdowns if it was going to happen at this pace, or 35, I guess, and it's just not going to I thought otherwise you know he didn't look that great I, there's plenty of time for them to get things going I just think the Eagles have been fairly underwhelming through two weeks um, yeah I, they I have know. not
1: looked like a um, uh, like the the favorite in the NFC uh, or even no. uh, not that close to it
0: No, it hasn't been a powerhouse situation with the Eagles. So I mean, look, they're two and zero. You can't complain. They've got time to turn it around. Obviously, they've got the cushion to turn it around at two and zero. So it's not a panic situation. But Jalen Hurts is just a guy that I would say don't look at the fantasy point total from last week and be like, oh, he's back. You know, after a really lackluster week one against the Patriots, don't be like, you know, he's turned it around. He, he, I don't think he has just yet. Could happen as early as week three. Uh, One thing I will say about week three, though, and this is not just me saying this as an AJ Brown owner. I think AJ Brown is going to explode this week because if you saw the the heated conversation that happened between Hertz and AJ yeah. brown on the sideline um you know aj brown was not happy about the lack of targets and just overall how the game was going which i didn't love from a football fan perspective because i was like you guys are winning like what's the big deal but yeah. as soon as that argument happened aj brown got targeted twice in the end zone one of them was a flag and one of them was just slightly overthrown if i have both those right um one of them one of them was a the touchdown and got called back got called back Yeah. Yeah, so you know he he tried, and I think after him having I think it was 29 yards in that game, uh, this is going to be a big bounce back week for AJ Brown. I think squeaky wheel gets the grease here as far as B. is concerned. But yeah, my eye definitely on Eagles overall.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean Devonte Smith has looked pretty good, but that, that's a little more volatile because you know he especially last week he had two huge catches, one of them for a touchdown. You know if he doesn't get those you you're, you're yeah. gonna. Get, I think there's gonna be some real duds from from Devontae Smith, but you're gonna have a lot of weeks where you're really happy with him. But I think Brown is kind of gonna start getting his, and he's gonna be what he was made to be in this lineup, and the you know the steady guy, you know more of the, you know the true lead guy who's gonna be more consistent. But you know you talk about Jalen Hurts, I think well, easily the most concerned you should be about someone is Joe Joe Burrow, uh, mostly just from the injury perspective.
0: I mean, yeah, he was dealing it's with a
1: calf. He was dealing with a calf in um, training camp, and um, they've looked pretty bad, like you said, and it's just been so underwhelming. Like They got they got sparked by a, a, kick, a punt return from some rookie white boy whose name evades me. I'm very sorry, but they you. just have not looked good. Good to see T. Higgins. T. Higgins existed mm-hmm. this week. That was good to see for T. Higgins owners, but there's not much to be excited about right now in this Bengals offense. And I think there's a good chance Burrow misses some time because, like, what what would you rather have? I would rather have Burrow sit a couple weeks, get right, and then come back stronger than kind of do what he's done the first two weeks and just kind of limp through the season. And not only is it hurting him and his teammates fantasy-wise, it's hurting them from a football perspective.
0: Yeah, it, it's so hard to evaluate because you know, he hurt this calf in the, the first like day of camp. Basically, right, right. we were like, "Oh, we were like, Oh no, Joe Burrow's this looks bad.'" We find out it's just a calf. They're like, "All right, we'll sit him out the entire preseason," and then come to find out he's still feeling it, and now it's sore enough that he may miss this week and some following weeks. It's like. I don't, he missed the whole preseason. I understand that this isn't, you know, he didn't just like re-fully strain it. It's just sore. But like, how much time is he going to need to get this fully right? I just don't know how you figure that out. And... At a certain point, maybe it is. You just kind of push through the season with as good of a version of Bill Burrow as you think you can get. But what we've seen through two weeks, yeah, that's not worth it. Like you might as well rest him and see what you can do and how how much you can heal him up because he has not been um, good. He has not been himself. He has not been the highest paid quarterback in the league through you know the first two games of this year. T Higgins bounced back uh, from a fantasy perspective, but. I mean, this is dragging Jamar Chase into the uh, dirt. This has been brutal. If you spent a first-round pick on Jamar Chase, I am so sorry. And there was a time where I firmly thought about doing that because I was like, you know, Bengals have a pretty easy opposing wide receiver schedule. Like, this is as bankable of a connection with a receiver and quarterback as you can get. Yeah, it is, except for the fact that that calf injury... I, that just goes to show, you really can never be too careful with, like, your first-round pick or your second-round pick. Think of just... That's why I try to narrow down who I'm going to take. I say this as Nick Chubb blew his knee out, but you can't (laughs) see that coming. But, like, you know, like, take into account everything that's happened throughout the preseason. And if there's an injury that, you know, yeah, you thought it was nothing, but just ask yourself, what if it was something? And maybe just go with a guy who's a little bit safer, because I'm not saying in hindsight, oh, yeah, obviously you shouldn't have taken Jamar Chase because of this innocuous calf injury that we all thought was going to be fine. But it's just... You can never be too safe, honestly, when it comes to your yeah. first rounder, because the people that are down Chase are the people that own Jamar Chase. If you're not 0 two, it's probably a, it's kind of a surprise. Like you must have drafted really well outside of the first round. So, so we've
1: got a guy in our league that went Chase and Cup in uh, the Chase first two and weeks. Cup, and he is down. <laughs> is he 0 two? Good. I think he's
0: 0 two. He's he's two, and he doesn't even have. Um, Good running his his i think his running backs are alexander madison and cam Akers. so i might have better is, running backs than him you do it, it's it's bad um it's really bad news for him he has Mahomes. Yeah. i can't wait to see who tries to poach Mahomes it, off of him and the
1: other thing from from the chase and higgins perspective is that you know like we've never seen jake browning in mm-hmm. you know throw an nfl pass we've seen him in the preseason and whatnot but they liked him enough they believed in him enough knowing that like hey burrows got an injury they didn't go and bring in a veteran. They didn't go and bring anyone else and they sat there saying like, "Hey, if this calf injury is serious, we're going to roll into this season, you know, with Super Bowl aspirations with Jake Browning at quarterback." Yeah. So like, obviously they believe in this guy enough, but I guess we'll just have to I mean, we'll see if he's even if we actually have to see him, but yeah. Time will tell uh what his uh what what his deal is and how he could possibly impact these guys, but Really bad time to be a, um, a Bengals fantasy owner. I have zero Bengals on any teams, which I'm very, very happy about right now. That I have zero I Bengals equity, which has helped me sleep at night.
0: Yeah, the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here saying that? Uh, Pat, another concerning quarterback here and one that I have a lot of investment in, uh, Justin Fields. So we had somebody ask last week, um, you know, what quarterback should I pick up? Because I'm a Justin Fields owner. I'm freaking out a little bit. And we both basically agreed, nobody. Like, don't worry about it. This is a guy who at least fantasy should be pretty good. Um, You don't need a backup quarterback if you drafted Justin Fields. Mm, that might not be the case um so here's the biggest thing with justin fields right did i i predicted a bit of a jump forward for justin fields i thought he would take that leap and become you know a top 10 or so quarterback i thought the passing would would progress the passing has not progressed but when i drafted him i also took into account that that might not be the case the reason i drafted him is because the rushing floor i was like even if he's a bad real life quarterback they're not going to make a quarterback switch this season, so like I, he's finished. Pick he's going to at least run a lot. Pat through two weeks, four designed runs for Justin That's, Fields. Four, basically, what, what was happening doing? at the beginning of last year. And they have the same offensive coordinator. It's like he reset his brain when the season restarted. Like, they unlocked Justin Fields at the game that I was at last year against the Patriots where they let him run wild. They came up with all these design runs, and he was great, both for real life and fantasy. You got them into more scoring, scoring uh, situations. I mean, look, if the guy can't really throw that well, I understand you want to try and develop that to see if you can make him your franchise quarterback. But at this point... I don't, even if you are doing that, why are you scripting out what he's best at completely? Yeah, exactly. Like that doesn't make any sense. You need to have some sort of mix because then you know at least he has some confidence, and you have to. The defense has to be kept honest when those passes come because you're they're worried, oh, what if he takes off? Instead, they're not designing anything. They're not helping Justin Fields, and Justin Fields, I know he's not helping himself either. But this is just a disaster for fantasy purposes so far.
1: Yeah, and and the thing too is that like. Obviously, you don't want you know you you want him to progress throwing the football because if you're going to be a successful NFL quarterback, you have to do that. But at least play into his strengths because you know football is mental too. Like if if he's running the ball feeling good, he's gonna feel you know he's gonna be better all around. But like he has just been really bad. Um, and you know a lot the big discourse on Twitter is that he's just bad. Like that that's just yeah. him, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm not ready to join them yet but you're you're panicking a little if you've got Justin Fields like you I, I wouldn't I would say keep faith like keep keep starting him but you're getting into that territory where um where you might you know Brock Purdy might be looking pretty good right now pretty good
0: yeah. right now oh god yeah no we're we're at a point where that if that safety net of floor of rushing value is not there like you know I, am I going to keep trotting Justin Fields out there yeah do I feel good about this matchup with the Chiefs Fuck no, I don't. I am very nervous about this week. This game getting out of control. Them just sending the house at Justin Fields and him pooping his pants like we've seen him do several times this year already. I'm I'm hoping that they start to mix in some more of these runs now that these stats are getting put out there. You know, granted, coaches claim they don't pay attention to any of that stuff, but like, through two weeks with how bad this offense is. Something's got to change, I would think. But we've also seen the Bears be logical about this. Yeah, in the past seen them. They're, they're, they do have months. a bit of incompetence. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm hoping. I would love for Luke Getzey to just get the fuck out of there. But I see the yeah. fuck out of there, sir. Um, whatever. Uh, okay, and one more quarterback here. Uh, Deshaun Watson stinks. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I know. I know. We're all, we're all very play the sad music. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah, Why yeah, do it, bad it, things happen to good people, man? Yeah, this is all very different. Depra- uh, it should have been him and not Nick Chubb that blew his fucking knee <laughs> um, out. Oh, so, You're not so, wrong. So what I've seen, this is this is the narrative now on Deshaun Watson, and it's hard to disagree because we're, we're all grasping at straws trying to find an explanation of how an athlete, a quarterback, still in his prime in terms of age ha- is so different from what we saw in Houston, right? And people are like – I think he's got a guilty conscience and it's just ruining any sort of confident, any sort of confidence and mental processing that he used to be able to do seamlessly when he was just the big man on campus all the fucking time. I think that's part of it. I also think when you take, you know, so much time off in your prime, the quarterback play is so timing based and so rhythm based, like he's played quarterback every season every year his entire life since he was whatever age he started yeah. playing football and then finally he takes a full year off it, you know that's gonna weigh on you i think we myself included underestimated the impact that that could have but Me we're too. through two weeks now and uh he's not i don't think we're ever getting prime texans to sean watson and again darn very depressing
1: yes let's well, all let's all hold, hold a moment of silence <laughs> so, Fuck you,
0: Deshaun. Uh, yeah, now that now that Nick Chubb is out of the picture too, um, I think any hope of the Browns being a playoff team is probably cooked. Well, I, that's I don't the
1: thing; it. like they they easily could have won that game last night too. Arguably, I mean, there was clear pass interference on that on that last play there. Who you know who knows what it would have turned into? But you know, they're a team that's competing and they should be. And it's like with no Nick Chubb and just pedestrian quarterback play. But you know, but again, it's also karma for the Browns to give this scumbag excuse me, a fully guaranteed contract. And now it's going to hamstring them for, for the next few years. And, you know, people are saying trade for Jonathan Taylor. It's like, with what money? Like, what, like, what, what where are they going to find that money? Like, but yeah, you know, it's just such a shame. Like I, I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot. It's just been really hard for me to process. Like
0: I'm just, really, really I'm, I'm going to need to do some
1: thinking, some thinking time here. And, you know, we'll, yeah. uh,
0: I'll report back. Yeah, some soul-searching. Uh, okay, that'll do it for our quarterbacks that we are, you know, concerned about, and whether we care or not varies by specific player. But, uh, Pat, I do need to hold both of us accountable. I think me more so, because you were definitely I went supporting back and watched Kirk. I yeah. went back you, and watched the archives, because uh, uh, our, our, our friend
1: Brett, a loyal listener, B. Mm-hmm. Dags, where are you at, brother? Um, <clears throat> he's like, oh, off the bench said Kirk was washed, whatever, and I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. didn't. I went back and I watched
0: you I were more it, behind Christian Kirk. In, you in were slandering
1: Christian Kirk, and all I said was that he is not as good at football as is um Calvin Ridley. I almost just called him Calvin Austin, but um um he, he's and that's still true. But I think uh, you know the what's the saying like the the rumors of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Like yeah, this and I I did say this last week as well is that like this was a guy that was getting peppered with targets last year. And we saw that same guy again, and that's not going to happen every week. But he's also not going to be getting, you know, whatever, three targets, one catch, things like that. Like, it's going to even out, but he doesn't have the upside of Calvin Ridley still. But no. he is still a guy, you know, people are dropping him after last week. It's like, what are you doing? You know, he's still definitely a yeah. guy that should be in consideration for your lineups. He's just going to be far less reliable than he was last year.
0: Yeah, I, look, the concern with Christian Kirk was all throughout the preseason, the alignment suggested he was only going to be playing the slot, and when they go too wide, he's not even going to be on the field. Um, share jumped drastically this past week for Christian Kirk. 60% of snaps in week one, 81% week two, played more than both Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. Zay Jones was the one whose playing time really took a dip, though. It went from 89% to 66%, so they basically flipped, give or take. I still think Zay Jones is viable, though. I think I think he is too. I, here's the thing. I think both Zay Jones and Christian Kirk are going to become sort of boom bust wide receiver threes. And Christian Kirk, that's more for him than what I expected, truthfully, after week one. I thought week one confirmed all the concerns I had about him, that he wasn't playing, wasn't getting targeted. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's done. Um, and then this past week, he gets 14 targets. I'm like, yeah. oh. Got it. Okay, so he's still around sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't think like like we said, this isn't going to happen every week. Calvin Ridley is going to be the better and certainly more consistent player on a week to week basis. Two catches on eight targets this week, so definitely not a good game from him. Uh, but in general, he's going to be the guy you want. Christian Kirk though, not droppable and a guy you can definitely throw into your flex. You who
1: who would have thought? Um, who would have thought that game would be like a defensive showdown? Oh, yeah. oh my god.
0: <laughs> I think that I saw a stat. It was like that was that was the only game that didn't hit the over, and it had the highest over under yeah. of the slate. So it was the only one that didn't hit the over, and it wasn't even close. Like it wasn't like it. That just game frustrated
1: me on both sides of the ball from a fantasy perspective because the Jags had four catches where a receiver caught the ball in the end zone but could not get both feet down four times. I mean, granted, yeah. two of them were on one drive, so three different times. And Trevor was just. So mid. Like the game was just mid. If Trevor even gets two of those touchdowns, we're, you know, we got a different game here. He's got 17 yeah. points, whatever. And then the Chiefs frustrate me, man, because like after, you know, almost pressing the nuke button after Clyde Edwards Alaire got the first snap, it's Isaiah Pacheco's backfield. Yeah, he, he didn't play. He got all but two of the, uh, maybe even one, all but two of the running back touches. The only problem is he only got 12 touches. Or thirteen, he caught yeah. one pass for for no yards, and he got seventy five yards. Like he looked good. Like this guy's a good player, but
0: just don't he just run doesn't it. have
1: the usage. And it's yeah. not that he like is stealing it from someone else. Just like, and also Mahomes, I think had like six or seven rushes himself. But
0: yeah, he did seven carries for thirty yards.
1: That's see, man, Mahomes is so fucking good. But um... <clears throat> but that's the problem with. It's frustrating because it's like. They don't have to lean on the run. They can still do what they do, but just give, you know, a little bit more, you know, give this guy some more touches and I think he'd perform really well. So I'm still, you know, uh, you know, I think Isaiah Pacheco is a lukewarm kind of player where it's like, yeah, he's solid, but he just could be so like there is a clear scenario where he could be performing a lot better.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we may all be left wanting more work for, for Isaiah Pacheco forever. But look, hopefully he gets that workload eventually. Uh, finishing off with our viewer questions here. We
1: just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from.
0: All right, we got a couple of good questions here. So, first question, and it's a simple one, and I think one that probably a lot of people are feeling through two weeks of the fantasy football season. From T Hop One on Instagram says, Time to panic at 0 and 2, question mark. And my initial reaction was, No, obviously not. It's only been two weeks. But my answer is, It depends on what you mean by panic, and it depends on your situation. Because, look, if you're 0 and 2 and you're looking at a lineup of Jamar Chase and maybe Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor or some combination of these guys that are sinking your ship and things aren't going to get better, you know, within the next two weeks, um, panic, panicking in the sense of, I need to make a move right now. Maybe the move, yeah. Like, you you may need to sell some of these guys who are longer-term bets so that you can stack up wins now because if you're yeah. sitting there at 0-4, 0-5 when you get your cast of Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor, and Cooper Cutback, yeah, you might have the best team in the league by Week 5, but it's not going to matter because at that point, you know, unless you go undefeated volatility says you're probably not going to go undefeated, even if you have the best team. And yeah. even if you do go undefeated, you're going to be eight and four or seven and five or something like that. And yeah, I think it, it very much depends on your situation, but if you are owned to, and it's strictly circumstantial and it's because of players that, you know, we fully expect to bounce back here going forward or, you just lost a matchup 160 to 155. No, don't do anything different. Just understand that the math will work itself out yeah. eventually, or it's just one of those years where you're going to get fucked. Those happen sometimes too, it but happens. it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you need your team to try and fix it. Um, if your team is performing or you have players that appear like they're going to perform going forward, don't freak out. But if you're 0-2 and, and, and things are kind of in shambles, yeah, make a move.
1: Yeah, no, nothing, nothing really to add to that. Just like, <clears throat> obviously... If your team just fucking sucks, then yeah, panic.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Obviously, exactly. but
1: like I'm in a league where I'm the highest scorer and I'm and I'm one on one. Like I, I still that still pisses it me off. Still. It's like yeah, mm, I, you know I lost a 160 to 150 game last week. In like, I, even if I was 0-2, like I wouldn't necessarily be panicking because it's like I know I have a good team, or like you said, you can make moves. So you know, once you're at like 0-4, panic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Un- understanding what panic means and what your next move should be, I think, is the key part of this. And then last question, should I sell high on Jordan Addison or keep him for a flex spot? in half PPR, this question from Lee and Andro on Instagram as well. Uh, Pat, I'll, I'll let you go first because you mentioned Jordan Addison versus Nico Collins earlier. Nico, was an easy choice for you.
1: See, I thought this was an interesting question because of like the sell high kind of thing. Because I think it's only going to get better for Jordan Addison, but it's going to be different. Like, you know, right now he is kind of like Devontae Smith we talked about. He's catching these big touchdowns. But he's still ceding a lot of playing time to K.J. Osborne. And the fact of the matter is because, you know, uh, such an important factor is blocking. And, you know, obviously K.J. Osborne's a much bigger guy than Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison's not a big guy. But for that reason, though, I would say hang on to him because I think – these big plays may come down, but I think those snaps are going to correct itself. Like I think eventually as the year progresses, you know, he'll fit in better in that offense and, you know, do the do the you know, the not sexy things that the coaching staff wants them to do and he'll really emerge as the number two target in this offense, but on more of a consistent basis. Like, yeah, you love the big touchdown catches. Those are great, but they're fluky, you know?
0: You can't well, rely uh, on that. So hesitant to start him. Like, that's why I'm, even now, after seeing it for two weeks, I don't really want to put it and in and my you lineup. shouldn't,
1: like, but, like, that's why with Nico Collins, because, like, I think Nico Collins's floor is just so much higher right now, but I, yeah. I think Addison's floor is going to get higher. So, obviously, if you're getting a really good offer for him, you know, do it. But if you're not getting what you want, don't just you know sell high for the sake of selling high because I, it's weird. Like I think better days are ahead, but I just I just think it's going to be different better days.
0: Yeah, no. Don't sell high in the sense that selling high implies that this is the best it's going to get, right? Like if you if you want to trade him for some other reason, like positional need or whatever, I'm I'm considering it. I mean that's one thing, but to sell him because you're like oh he's gonna his value is going to go down from here, and I just really don't think it will. This is a guy that could. Easily approach, you know, a wide receiver back end, wide receiver one, high end, wide receiver two territory. If he gets a full complement of snaps, he's that good on a team with Kirk Cousins, who's the QB one in fantasy right now. By the way, I want to smash my head through a wall. I'm glad you at least don't have him in our main league pack because I that that bragging rights would just I would want to die. Um, I wish I did. Oh, I wish so I fucking Tua, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the
1: betting favorite to win the MVP by the way right now? So just is like, he really yeah, right now? Yeah. Oh Who else would it be
0: Who else would it be right now? But like, that's what the—I mean, I get like he's the leader right now, right? Because just yeah. st- stats. But like, I feel like he shouldn't be the betting. F- you as much as as, as much as he was one of
1: my pals, and you know, I'm doing a two-week victory lap on him. He's
0: not going to win the MVP. Come on, no, <laughs> no, Kirk might. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, he be either I'll I'll freak out. You but like yeah, that? Not- I would keep Jordan Addison if I were you um just from uh yeah I think he is going to get better he's going to play more and this could be the most deadly wide receiver duo in the league in a league full of really deadly wide receiver duos but it could get to that point you know sooner rather than later agreed cuz you've got the best receiver
1: in the game first of all
0: right you're, yeah, that you're helps. overstating That's a head start.
1: You're, you're 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 um you're you're undervaluing Puka and Tutu though like
0: Puka and Tutu, who in a video I stated, those names sound more like the names of teacup poodles than they do NFL (laughs) wide receivers. But um, nonetheless, yes, they have been very productive for the LA Rams. But that (laughs) I think that's going to do it for us. On that note... um, on on that note, we'll see you next week. No good show today. I think if we were actually able to narrow it down to what were the important fantasy headlines for this episode. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them were injury based. Let's hope for some better. Fuck Monday Night Football, by the way. Everybody just keeps getting hurt on Monday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers last week, and then now this. and the you last almost said everybody
1: game. dies. I know I, yeah, you I were going for the, I, almost everyone no, dies, which someone, almost, depending on who you ask, he did die. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, no, don't no, listen know. to those
0: people, he didn't die. Either. Well, I, yeah, no, when you first said that, I was thinking of the, like, he temporarily, but no, the people that actually, what we're we'll referring to is Mar Hamlin's incident was the last Monday Night Football game of last year, and so, and was Monday it not night Kyler football,
1: the week before?
0: It, maybe, I don't know. It was late remember. in the season on Monday night, but he been. tore
1: his ACL for sure, I don't know if it was consecutive, but.
0: Yeah, I could have been. I don't know. But Monday Night Football is on a terrible, terrible streak. And I love Monday Night Football, the concept of it. I love football on several days. But God, if we could save us from these injuries, I would like to. Um, all right, that'll do it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week with hopefully a slightly more positive episode of Off the Bench. But for Pat Gustafson, I am Brandon Carney. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.